Welcome into the Nebraska 24-7 podcast. I am Mike Schaefer, joined by Brian Christofferson, Michael Brunts. The Huskers haven't won a game. Gentlemen, how fired up are you to talk football today? I think Brian had an interesting question that I think should lead off the podcast today with a little banter. Does it does it stem from the world's largest potato? It does. He, he brought over to podcast studios today. But like for for people listening, Brian is currently eating a a baked potato, a loaded baked potato from a local establishment. This, this is the size of like a youth football. It's called it's called the Spud Max. Yeah. It's uh, I mean it's it's large. I I had never seen the Spud. In, in in person from this place, and I was, uh, you know. Did they double bag it? Like, did they, du- <laughs> like, give you two plastic bags? Uh, just one. It held up, but it was a little... It was, question- it was well, strained. Yeah, I had to make sure I had both straps, you know. But uh, I got my potato a little later than I probably should have because a, a grandma cut me in line. I was three feet behind the register, and this grandma just stands... This sweet-looking grandma stands up next to me. And I think she's just, like, kind of looking at the menu, you know, perusing. And then a lady steps aside from her order. Grandma just bolts right in. Wasn't even a chat and cut. I wondered if it was a chat and Not cut. Even... She didn't look at you and say, my, what great weather today. Nope, nothing. Nothing about the defensive line, nothing at all. Just, like, straight to order her sweet tea and potato. Did you say anything? No. Did you want to say something? Mm, I was humored by it. I would, if... That's what I was in my mind. Okay, so now there's a lot we got to get into here. What is the age cutoff where you would have said something? Would you have ever said anything? Yeah, if if I sensed the person was under 55 years old, (laughs) I think it's this. I think the age cutoff is when do you get the senior discount golfing? You know, like my dad. It was a kind of a rough moment when I think he realized at like age 56. Like, he was getting the senior discount for a round of golf until they're like, you're playing 18 holes for, like, $12. Then he thought it was all right. But um, I think that's my cutoff, 55. And I, But if, it, if she were, like, 52, I would have muttered something under my breath. What if it had been a flock of elderly ladies? And that she just was, held she, me up. She started it, and then three followed. Would you have said anything then? I don't think so. I don't think I would. So elderly ladies are pretty much getting a pass. Yeah, and that in a way it disturbed me as I thought about it, but that's the truth of the matter. And I, if I were them, I would take full advantage of this. I would do just what she did and get my potato before somebody else. This potato place. I, I told just... Brian, like, old people, when they really stop to give a damn, those, that's a scary place for them to be. Like, when they just, like, don't care, like, Rules don't apply. My my grandma got this way where she was like, it was basically like, I've lived long enough. Get out of my way kind of a situation. And and that's uh, a little, that's a tough place to it's be. It's like that when you're driving, if you're driving through a residential neighborhood, at some point, I think this is like a Seinfeld joke or something, but at some point in your life, people are just like, I'm backing this car up and I'm not mm-hmm. looking behind me. I'm yep. just backing this thing up. And if it hits you, that's your fault, you know? The uh, I think the other thing you probably had to consider too is if, like, let's. I'm imagining two scenarios in my head. One with a, a grandma that looks kind of like Happy Gilmore's grandma. This woman Her, looked a lot like her. Okay, so that's one. You're probably not saying anything to Happy Gilmore's grandma. Uh, scenario two, you've got like Marge shot in line in front <laughs> of you, like chain smoking, like leathery skin. Are you saying something to Marge shot? Because I feel like, A, you, you don't want to because she's probably going to whoop your ass. She's tougher than you. Yeah. Second, you probably feel a little bit more, you know, a, a little bit more agency to say something to somebody mm-hmm. that's a little bit more haggard like that. Yeah, that that's a good question. You hate to say that you would be tougher on somebody who looks more haggard. <laughs> But you probably would be if we're just being honest about it. I mean, if we're just going to let all our true emotions come out and what goes through our brain, I think Haggard costs you some points if you cut somebody. What if sweet, kindly grandma, upon getting her sweet tea and her potato, as she turns, just drops a real quiet sucker? <laughs> See, I would... I and would, she, she trash talk. I would have more respect for I, her. I'd just, like, shake I'd her I'd be like, hand. wow. I'd shake her hand. This is impressive. That's a great performance. Yeah. Good by you. Well, I would shake her hand. 
grandmas have kind of been in the news in my world a little bit lately because, <laughs> well, this this woman tweeted at me and said her grandma loves Divino Zigbo, just oh. loves him. And okay, I, so this does have a tie to Nebraska football. Yeah, we can work at Tusker this, football. This is a good segue. So yeah. this grandma loves just like his effort and how he gets after it. You know, he ran for a career high 170. She probably knows that. And I was thinking they should have a grandma's for Ozigbo sign behind the end zone, you know, for all the support. And maybe this lady who cut me in line for a spud, maybe she's a big Ozigbo fan. She thinks divine is divine. <laughs> yeah, she wouldn't cut divine Ozigbo in line, that's for sure. <laughs> These are terrible. <laughs> it's not terrible. Divine for divine. <laughs> How long? Divine is divine. You've been sitting on that one for a little bit. Uh, yeah, it kind of came to me, but isn't it a shame Nebraska never matched up with West Virginia? Well, Divine Ozigbo was a starting running back, and Noel Divine was a starting running back. Do they West even Virginia. cross over the no, same? Not even close. But that. But would, in a time machine, that could have happened. Yeah, that that if I had a time machine, that would be my first order of business: is making those two teams. I think play we need to have more discussions on. <laughs> On things that you could do with your time machine? No, that's my first thing. <laughs> divine. we got to get this set up, Divine versus Divine. So the teams of which Divino Zigbo was on, that defense going against the West Virginia offenses that Noel Divine was on? Yeah, it would have been tough. It probably doesn't go that well. Mm. He was on the team that put uh, 70 on Kevin Steele. Maybe you could get Clemson. the time machine to get like the – kind of like 2009 nebraska defense against them so you're using the time machine to pick your <laughs> yeah. your spots in yeah. this divine divine matchup nebraska well, football wishes they had a time machine and could go back four weeks is that what you were going to do yeah it is is exactly what i was going to do <laughs> you have learned very well how to segue into the important things which is nebraska still hasn't won a game they lost 42 28 on saturday to a purdue team that if you would have just watched the first drive of the game from Nebraska, you would have thought they'd put up more than 28 points. They rolled right down the field. They scored. There was no issues. And then their defense came onto the field and just got cut right through by David Blau, probably the most popular quarterback on this podcast. Probably. (laughs) Who, Who once again had a very nice day against Nebraska. I had forgotten that David Blau's first career win came against Nebraska in 2015, something that he pointed out after the game, and a nice little bookend for the Blau man. He pointed it out? He did. He mentioned that win in 2015. Did he drop a blouses, like in his comment? (laughs) (laughs) Wow. And here I thought me always referring to that game as a Blau out was the worst thing that happened. It can go lower. Yeah. There's still a lot of time left in this podcast. Uh, yeah, I mean, that that first drive was probably the best-looking drive Nebraska's had all year, right? Did Frost say if that was scripted? Uh, I thought in the past he said he, he hasn't. He tends not to script. He doesn't. Yeah. Well, so why didn't he just call those plays all over again, huh? Where did that go? Penalties. Mistakes. Likely excuses. No, I mean, the, as dumb as this is to say, because it was a first quarter, and it was only the third drive of the entire game between the two teams combined, Nebraska failing to get that fourth and one, where they failed to get it on the field for what felt like the 50th time in the last two years, just totally took the wind right out of the sails of that team. Like, I, I just felt like when they didn't get that, you just kind of looked and you were like, this is going to be another long day. For this team. And they, they played better later in the game. But from that point forward, they don't get that fourth down. I don't know. I'd have to look. Stats department can look how many drives it took before they scored again. And it wasn't like they weren't able to move the ball. They would just find ways to not finish drives mm-hmm. repeatedly. But well, they didn't, they fourth didn't and score one, again. Was they a, didn't, they, uh, I think they went th- three or four straight punts after that. Yeah, they didn't score until like middle. Well, they didn't score until the third. Yeah. Yep. So it you can't place a loss on that not getting the fourth down. I mean, there's so much to happen beyond that, but it's just it really to me, and this is you get a look back on it kind of thing, but the the whole offense just crumbled a little bit when they weren't able to to get that. Oh, you're hitting at a good point though because 
there's this script with Husker football right now where there's like two or three plays and you know them when they happen. Like in the, it'll always be like in the second quarter or something. That was one of them. The pick that Mark Heldesmuke thought he had, and then there was a holding on Lamar and that whole situation. That was another. And when they happen, it's like everybody in the stadium knows, okay, this is part of the formula that contributes to the loss, and there's no, there's no denying that formula working now. And, and I think even the players know. I think that's one of the problems. But think about all the stupid stuff that we see week in and week out that is inexplicable. Mm-hmm. David Blau threw one of the shittiest passes you will ever oh. see at Memorial Stadium. Just chucking it up 35 yards against the wind, and it's just wobbling all over. Aaron Williams could have camped under it like a punt. Right. And inexplicably slips, falls down. Yeah. Like, I just, I cannot believe. And that happened multiple times in that game. I mean, there was a play where it felt like Trey Neal could have made a break on the ball in the middle of the field, and he kind of slipped and was able to get there, but it prevented him from getting, you know, a possible interception. DiCaprio Boodle had multiple pass breakups. That if he's slightly turned earlier, those are interceptions. And it's just remarkable to me that when there's a tailor-made one, like just a gift, a total gift, Aaron Williams slips and falls. I think it was Aaron Williams. If it, I was, have, it is. I have that right. But I just it, it's, it's almost like this stuff just writes itself. Like There's just no way that in this, this current you know, iteration of Nebraska football – that they can just get the break that that works for them. Mm-hmm. Here, here's your 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 drive progression after they failed to pick up the fourth down. Punt, 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 punt. Missed field goal, badly missed field goal by. That doesn't say badly, but you know, the, the shank <laughs> six iron. They should. <laughs> uh, punt and then th- three straight touchdowns that were pretty effortless. And then they didn't score again after those touchdowns. They were able to move the ball, but they couldn't score. Interception, downs, downs, end of game. Yeah, it was rough. On the missed field goal, they should, on the actual stat sheet, put in, like, parentheses, oofta, oof. I I, I told Schaefer I wouldn't have minded seeing a shot tracker on that just to see how it looked. And then it's just skipping across. Yeah. Like it has a little like rivets in the shot tracker to denote how many times it rolled across the end zone. It was like a two, it was like a two seam fastball that cut back outside the plate. <laughs> oh man. No, that uh that field goal attempt, I did did Frost talk about that after the game? I know there was like No, nah, there was yeah, a lot of other things to cover. It was I, I'm really curious, long. you know, if, if they're getting that situation again, like at what point are you just not comfortable putting Barrett Pickering I almost the more I thought about it later, and I don't know why I was thinking about that field goal again, but um, <laughs> yeah, it, why were you? It seemed a little unfair to have him even attempt it because I mean we've seen him before games. That's not his range, and I don't so you're know. you're basically out there like asking this kid to hit a 53 yard field goal in suboptimal conditions in which your defensive players can't even stand up on the you know, the turf at the moment, and he's just going to go drill this when he's hitting from 45 with some consistency pregame? I'm surprised Purdue didn't put back their freshman back there. They didn't have anybody back there. That shocked Although me. it was such a poor kick, I don't know if he would have got up to the ball. <laughs> he might, it might have, like, landed in front of him. He could have run up on it. <laughs> yeah. It he, is, it becomes his offside or an onside <laughs> field goal attempt. He might – he just drills the, the kick returner balls, <laughs> yeah. sneaks away, hits off another Purdue guy, Nebraska picks it up. Yeah. It wouldn't work there at a time. but Pickering must have, like, in warm-up, showed that he could hit something close to that. Otherwise, I wouldn't think they would have yeah. tried it. But, yeah, it, it looked bizarre. And also for a guy, he had actually hit a few kicks in recent weeks. Right. They were shorter ones, but at least he kind of maybe his confidence brewing. So it did surprise me a little bit that you – get that in his head you know where he right. just no i i thought the same thing like i said just bizarrely was thinking about that field goal and like that doesn't make any sense i like the idea of you like sitting there saturday night watching some pac-12 game and you just can't get pickering out of your head i'm watching that <laughs> uh penn state ohio state game and then out of nowhere man they really did bear pickering wrong on that one <laughs> yeah. they should have uh, let somebody else do the kickering instead exactly exactly <laughs> 
<laughs> what other thoughts? I mean, where do we want to go with uh, the talk of this game? Well, um, Adrian Martinez played well. I like what he's doing. I mean, I he's not, and I, I'm far from the only person that has said this, he's not quite the same player that he was against Colorado in the sense that I don't, well, he did have really? a couple runs against Purdue where he, he was able to get out of trouble and he had a little burst. He doesn't seem like he's as fast, but he also hasn't had as many opportunities for just that straight line run like we saw for 41 yards. Right. He's bounced back pretty well from it, though. Yeah. I mean, all considered. and The other stuff, the pocket awareness, the presence, the, the accuracy on most of his throws, he was a little high at times on Saturday. But for for the most part, I mean, he looked very good, and it was a it was finally sort of a normal situation rather than the the whole thing against Michigan, which to me, I mean, it's going to count on his career stats, but it's hard for me to imagine him having a worse game ever. I kept thinking, it wasn't even his fault. I kept thinking of you know when he would miss those throws high, what Mario Verduzco said in, in that podcast from the summer about how high ball errors. Mackenzie Milton had the high ball errors yep. um, his first year. And how quickly they were able to get those cleaned up going into his sophomore season. Was it with both of us or when I talked to him maybe a week before where he explained that the high ball errors were partially because the guy is rushing the throw a little bit and so it's a I don't a, I don't think he said specifically on the podcast yeah. why, but it's just it was more of a synchronizing volume. of all of the pieces. He he broke it down in some sort of formula that uh, you know. Only only Mario Verduzco can do. Your eyes just kind of glazed over. A little bit. Yeah. I try. I mean, I really try, but it feels sometimes a little bit like going back to math class for me, which was never a strong suit. That's fair. Defensively, what did you guys think of that game? Terrible. Pretty bad. Yeah, well, I'll stop eating my potato now. <laughs> Sorry. Um, <laughs> Thanks. Thanks. <laughs> this is just a 45-minute advertisement for a local potato place. Here <laughs> yep. But we're not going to say who it is. Until they pay up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you should work on getting us a sponsorship. I will. Uh, it was rough on defense, so, yeah. <laughs> That's what I think. <laughs> it, wasn't, it wasn't good. I mean, they they gave up uh, some pass plays. They had bad lane integrity, pass rush integrity at time that allowed David Blau to escape for a very key third down conversion where he picked up 14 yards on the ground himself. Um, you know, they had the stupid penalties that took him out of situations where you can get off the field. I didn't think that their um, run defense was particularly good. I mean, some of my they, – they played the run well against Troy and Colorado and then against Purdue and Michigan have not looked very good mm-hmm. uh, trying to stop their run. And that's part of why with Wisconsin coming up next, I just – it's hard for me to even craft a scenario where they're slowing down Jonathan Taylor. Yeah. Uh, there's also the disappointing stuff. It's like they can't – the offense and defense for this team can't sync up at the same time, except for that one quarter against Colorado where they're both, like, feeding off each other, you know, where you just have complete momentum as a football team. They never get that because one side is either doing something dumb and then the other side maybe holds up for a little while. The defense even did that Saturday. They had a few series where they kind of got their footing and were okay – but meanwhile, the offense isn't doing a darn yeah. thing. And then when the offense does get going, the defense then can't get any stops at the end when you get a chance to get back. Into yeah, it. Nebraska scores, and it's like 28-14, and immediately the defense is not able to get a stop. 90-yard drive or something. Like right down the field in yeah. three minutes to score. It's And the defense has been okay at times, too. I mean, they've gotten to a lot of third and longs this year. And it's just, up it's eight. pretty remarkable yeah. how many of those they've given up this year. Like most in the country, yeah, on both sides of it, they've they've forced the most third and longs, and they've given up the most yeah. third and longs. Which you'd say, okay, well, you have more opportunities to. Well, they're giving up at a higher clip at third and long than they are at third and medium, which is remarkable. Yeah, like it's this whole season just feels like a big anomaly to me. Like every like every turn, you just kind of shake your head at like. But like that's that's happening. That's happening. I mean, it's. I don't Do you know. I think there's an alternate dimension where this team is just looks average, instead of just vacillating between okay and a flaming dumpster. It's just so whiplashy. Like that. That's the thing that I don't get. Like, 
you know, you, you look, and, and maybe that's just part of a coaching transition. You look great on one drive and you go the rest of the half looking like you don't know how to play football. Well, here's something we can talk about from Saturday. What did you guys think of Scott Frost's remarks when he, he spoke about having the most undisciplined team in the country, wanting fighters, wanting guys that are going to go out there and play a certain way, are going to be fighters on the field, off the field. How do, how do you feel like he sort of handled this? Because there's a lot of – I mean, he came here with a lot of expectations, maybe not necessarily this season, but nobody expected it would be this bad through five weeks. And at some point, people were going to want some answers. I mean, how do you how do you feel like he did in his talk Saturday night? I didn't – I didn't mind it. I do think there's a couple cases where the coaches – and led by Frost, could maybe take it on them a little bit more. But I I thought he was – it was an emotional reaction. It was like straight from – there was no filter there. You know what I mean? It was – this is that you got like raw Scott Frost after a loss there. And I think the, pl- the type of players that he wants to roll with going – forward are the type of players who will gravitate toward it because I think he's looking for guys who are on the verge of like almost crying after a loss like that too like he wants those kind of players where it hurts that bad and so if you're a player you look at that and say man this this guy does I mean this is everything to him to get this thing turned around you can tell by the way he reacts to it so if he hasn't said everything perfectly or whatever I give that a little bit of a pass because I think most of what comes from him is just raw and unfiltered, and I kind of appreciate that as a reporter. Do you, I mean, do you think that that's largely, I don't know how I want to phrase this. Is it, so what I gathered out of that is he just feels like he's not getting complete effort from some of the guys on that team. I mean, do you feel like effort has been an issue through four weeks? Don't you think it's mostly that, I think he's as confused as everybody. Like, why? Yeah, I don't think there's a simple answer to this. Like, I, I don't certainly don't want to insinuate that. I think he he wants to get across. Like, look, it's not like these mistakes that happen in week one, week two. We didn't go over over and over again, and it's it's just kind of become this thing where then somebody else does like something dumb at the worst possible time, and it's hard to like stop the leaking from the dam with that sort of thing because you, you figure one thing out and then somebody else who even if it's a dependable guy for you it could be the most well-meaning guy on your team like Khalil Davis is that kind of guy and he got kind of a dumb penalty for pushing the quarterback when you know you're going to get flagged for that and as a coach at some point I do understand where you're like what do you do with that like you've you're in a situation to succeed on defense on that series and then you you have a play like that I think he's trying to find ways to get through to guys. I mean, obviously, you know, the, the, the comments that he's made in public, I think he's been pretty honest about what he sees as the issues on this team with buy-in. Um, you know, I, I think you see that reflected in the penalties. I mean, it, it's a selfish thing when you hit a guy after the play or, you know, you're, you're dancing around the sidelines or, or whatever. Um, you know, I, I think that his point, and I think he was – I don't know if he was consciously doing this, but the point was basically like, look, these players need to own some of this. I mean, the coaches do too, I think, but you know, they're not out there on the field controlling these guys to, to hit guys late or to uh, hold guys in coverage or whatever. Um, and, and at some point it has to matter enough to the players that they're 0 and 4 and, you know, st- staring an 0-6 start in the face and say, like, at what point do the players say enough is enough? And, you know, supposedly the captains went and met with Frost on Sunday. There was a, a players-only meeting on Sunday. Um, but, you know, will it matter? I mean, it, Nebraska has more talent than what they're showing on the field right now. That I, I think that's pretty clear. I think there's always going to be issues and transitions with buy-in and, and trying to win the locker room. But – Whatever they've done to this point, it, it doesn't seem to be translating with a lot of these guys. And I don't, you know, he he's called it rot in, in the foundation of the program. There's probably some of that. Like I, I don't dispute that, but you, as a coach, you have to find 
something to get through to those guys because at some point the the bill is gonna is gonna translate and, and move over to Scott Frost and, yeah. and his staff. The 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 thing where I draw somewhat of an issue with it though is that I mean we can call it rot in the program, we can call it underachieving, we can call it lots of different things. I can't figure out, and I'm sure that the coaches can't either, why their voices aren't cutting through on some of these things. I mean, like some of these penalties have absolutely nothing to do with talent level. It's all mental. It's all how you go about and what you're trying to do, that kind of thing. I don't think, you know, that it's a buy-in issue with some of it, too. It just, I, I just, I'm really struggling to understand why it seems like, and these guys are all, you know, well-measured individuals. I enjoy talking with about every assistant on that staff. They all seem bright and thoughtful and will sit there and answer even the dumbest of questions often of which, you know, I try to pose and see if I can outdumb myself week to week. And I'm pretty good at it. And they just keep answering. Uh, so I, it's just it's fascinating to me, like, how you go from a team. They were terrible last year. But they weren't committing this many penalties. And they weren't making, like, this many dumb penalties or after-the-play penalties or those sorts of things. And you combine that with guys not lining up correctly – or on fourth and one, your senior captain guard just gets absolutely obliterated. Yeah, that happens from time to time. It's happened four straight weeks. Like, I, I don't get why some of these issues have manifested so strongly and where they're going to find the correction for. So I guess what I'm sort of saying out loud is when he says that this is the bottom, it might be, but it sure feels like they're going to be toiling there for a while. I don't know if you guys noticed, but I mean, even something that you know I haven't seen the coaches point out. There, there's been multiple plays this season where defensively Nebraska's had ten guys on the field. Yeah, that happened three times on Saturday. It happened against Michigan. If if you go back, I didn't and know look, it happened against there, Michigan. There was one play where they were having issues getting substitutions. I mean, is that like that to me is like a a, a dial in issue? Maybe it's a communication issue. I don't know, but. I mean, even those kinds of things are repeat problems that keep popping up that, you know, if you're not even able to get 11 guys on the field when it matters, I mean, that that's that's kind of the, the level of where things are right now. I think. They were in red zone defense and had 10 dudes on the field two different times and then did it again later in the game. Like, that's has nothing to do with buy-in or rot. Like, I, I just don't understand – why some of these things are popping up the way that they are. Don't you think this is a case where there's so many different things happening, you can't explain it a hundred different ways. Right. So there's got to be like one way that's kind of the general, okay, this is what the problem is. And so a lot of us and fans and even coaches and players, I think it's fallen back on the buy-in thing and the culture. And I do think the culture there's part of that's part of it i mean i think it's a slice of it and honestly there are some players like deontay williams the other day who will say a quote or two where it's like they've got a few guys in mind on the team when they say it like that they don't think are giving it all they could or something yeah i mean there's and so that there is a little bit of that that like seeps into some of the quotes where you're like okay there's something there but also you got to look at it like I mean, flip a couple plays, and right now we're not having any of these conversations at all. And, you know, heck, you could look at, and this, it just happens to be Antonio Reed. He had the one play against Colorado. If that doesn't happen, they probably win that game. If he picks off that pass against Purdue, who knows where that game goes? Because it's a 14 7 Nebraska game. The whole, you know, dynamic of that thing is shifted. It erases their fail on fourth and one. I think it happened right after that maybe or around there. So, I mean, two plays by one guy and you're maybe two and two. So I do. I think it's it's interesting because they're 0-4 and it seems terrible, and yet there are ways you could look at it. I don't think Nebraska had the hardest non-con schedule in the world, but if they had just set up cream puff you in the non-con this year and not played a team like Troy who you should never schedule because um, they are that kind of team, you know, right now they're what three and one or whatever. No one is all, none the wiser to yeah. some of this stuff. So it's it's interesting the whole. That's thing. fair. That's definitely fair. Do we 
let's get into Wisconsin a little bit. And we'll we'll break down more of that game and the the hype cast BC's thinking about his bold prediction. Brunts I got one coming year. off of a bold prediction victory last week. I, I walked in with my chest puffed out a little bit after that bold I, I noticed. I noticed. It was a little the, irritating. Uh, even really. screaming victory like Johnny Drama from Andre <laughs> was a little over the top. Your neighbors were looking at me funny. But, well, they do that. So, this Wisconsin game, I mean, this is a program that has been a thorn in Nebraska's side in, in such a way that, I mean, the games haven't been close most of the time that they've played. And now that they're both in the same division – you could almost even argue that Nebraska hasn't even challenged Wisconsin in a way that anybody would have expected uh, since they've been over there and that Iowa and Northwestern have been more of a threat for the standing in the Big Ten West. You come into this situation, Wisconsin went out and hired Paul Christ a few years ago, turned their program in the right direction seemingly. Things have been going very well for them ever since. Nebraska hires Scott Frost. They're coming into this 0-4. It's just a fascinating game and what could be, I think, a very ugly game. Well, what's the common thread with Wisconsin and Iowa is whenever they play Nebraska. The two-by-fours with the nails, Jerry DiNardo. Well, that wasn't good. Is that what he said? No. Well, I mean, they have the bloodbath practices and guys are just knocking the hell yeah, out of Yeah, I wasn't going to go there. It's just it, Scott Frost said this Monday – Wisconsin just doesn't beat themselves. Right. No, I mean, both of those teams have very condensed playbooks. Mm -hmm. They have, they run probably a grand total of between them 30 some plays, and they're not afraid to run the same play 10 times in a quarter because they know that if you stop it six of those 10 times, the other four could go for big yardage. They're patient, too. Yeah. Both, both teams are really patient with. They can suck for two quarters, like, and they'll stick with it. And you, you got to say that about Iowa. It's like Nebraska. I mean, they could suck for two weeks and they stick with it. Yeah, they could suck for two that, years and they stick yeah, with it. I you're mean, right. They're willing to do that. The yep. blueprint is is established. Mm. Stick with the suck. That's the blueprint. <laughs> it's it's gotten to more wins than what we've seen. That's very in true. These parts lately. That's very true. Well, I mean, if you think about Nebraska football in recent years, you would say, well, Nebraska like seems like they're flashier like they could be flashier and they've got guys who could be flashier and they've got more stuff they can turn to but it's just you're right I mean they they never can it's a terrible matchup all the time because Nebraska is like almost out thinking themselves like every time they play it and then there's just the physical matchup in the trenches and that's been lopsided and so there's not a that that's why you have a lot of concern you about this game is because you just you have that second half of last year like rolling through your head over and over again of Wisconsin just like oh let's just go right at them and uh, you wonder if Nebraska can change the tune off of that. tackle off tackle yep. off tackle off tackle off tackle slant pass off tackle off tackle touchdown just complete not even sure why they threw that slant demolition Paul Chris decided to let his hair down a little bit with the, the slant. You know what, boys? I'm getting a little <laughs> – got a little idea in my head. <laughs> yeah, I just uh, – I mean, the, the line has moved from 22.5 to 18, 18.5. It was down to 17 a little bit yesterday. Wow. Well, it is a, that is a big number. I mean, I think here people expect the worst, and so they're – thinking like oh, I, why is it moving down but but they should expect the worst right they should but i do think people in vegas i mean you still have to look at 17 is a big number i mean for a program like and and i think they're probably people in vegas are looking at nebraska's results and aside from you know the michigan thing yes but they're, they're saying okay they statistically look like they should be better than they are and they're maybe banking on that a little bit. Yeah, it could be. I just, I mean, I have a really tough time figuring out how many. We'll, we'll start with this. Let's say Nebraska wins the game. How many points do they have to score minimum to win that game? Well, if they win the game, I think it's going to be a deal where the defense shows up and plays a game people aren't expecting, where they just have the answer for that Wisconsin run game. And it, it it's something like, 
27-24. So you don't think it's going to be the other way where Nebraska's offense is able to move the ball enough, score enough, that they're pushing it at a faster pace and a higher pace than what Wisconsin's own offense is capable of doing? I guess I'd put it this way. If Nebraska pulls the upset, I would – be more willing to bet that it's because the defense like really holds Wisconsin down than Nebraska wins like really 35-30. And you're the same way. I saw you shaking your head. Yeah, I mean, I was thinking about it. I was like, oh yeah, Nebraska's you know if it if they win, they're going to score a lot of points. But I I don't know that as mistake prone as Nebraska's been this year, if I would trust them to win a shootout with Wisconsin. I, man, that is maybe the biggest insult anybody could have. You can't win a shootout with a team that never plays in a shootout that seems wholly incapable of being in a shootout. Because I just feel like if I feel like if it's a shootout situation, I just feel like Nebraska's offense would have to play too perfect a football to stay in that. Just because if we're in a shootout again, if Wisconsin's in a shootout, does that mean both teams are in the twenties? John, John, was the 2016 Nebraska Wisconsin game a shootout? It wasn't any more of a shootout than last year was a shootout. Well, Nebraska didn't get into the twenties, right? What was the? I'm just I, what I'm did? saying is I don't think either. I would not say either was a shootout. Right. I'm Tariqo in your joke. You could look at it this way. Sorry, I, the I'm last, used to it. The last eight quarters of between these two teams, six of the quarters, the defense has played pretty good. I mean, the first half last year they they had a good grip on it, and then that full game two years ago, so. That's why I lean toward, well, maybe the defense could have it in them. To, you know, linebackers are fitting it right, and Wisconsin, you know, they stick to what they do, and they just aren't blocking it as well, and it turns into like a 21-17 game like two years ago or something. Who has to have a good day for Nebraska either side of the ball if they're going to pull this thing off? Dedrick Young. I think Dedrick Young needs to play really well. Answer, answer. Well, this is where you need to give him a, you know, he has to answer. Seriously, I'm not being a jerk with that. I, like, I wasn't saying, it's a fair question. I mean, it's. You've seen him as much as, as, I mean, we've all watched him now for four years. And it's just an endless loop of him chasing somebody. I, I would I would imagine that we would probably discuss something like this on the Hypecast on Friday. Well, we, I mean, we'll, we could. we'll be able to um, get, into, get it. into it. Yeah. I would, I would say that. The bust issue is one that would it looms pretty large against. And it's Wisconsin. not just Dedrick Young. I no, know. I mean, it's we not. we talk we and I get think into that almost in too much <laughs> about Muhammad Barry's emotional leadership and how well he's played. He's had plenty of busts in his own right too. It's a little busty there. So I mean, it's not like it's just Dedrick Young, but I mean, the amount of times in the Purdue game was unfair to him in the sense that. Why in the world are you putting this guy on Rondale Moore right. in space? Like, what is the purpose of this? Yeah. But they did it, and there he was. Several times. Seven yards behind, chasing. Well, let's put it this way. They, instead of individuals, let's say the guts of Nebraska's defense just has to be way better than they've been. I mean, the, that's the middle, the, the middle on the D-line. The safeties have to be better. Um that that part of it they have to own somehow some way if they're going to pull the upset and that you wouldn't bet on it but that's that's why the spread is what it is and why it would be an upset if they did it well and then what's also interesting nebraska you know looking different a little bit in the middle of the field with carlos davis he's not as big as either damian daniels or mick stoltenberg He's going to be going up against linemen at what average six five three thirty across the board, like four potential first round draft picks. Yeah, and so you know Carlos Davis is going to be in for a hell of a night. You're going to need Damian Daniels to provide you whatever he can uh, in the middle of that field. I wouldn't honestly would not be shocked if you see a little bit more four down linemen mm-hmm. situations just to get a little bit more beef on the field. Yep. Um, they did it for the first time this year in a non-goal line situation against Purdue. And I I wouldn't be surprised if that's a wrinkle that we see on Saturday. Yeah. You want to get into the other big news about a player leaving? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that we can – we've probably talked enough about Nebraska's on-field. We might as well discuss off-the-field stuff, which is not any better. It doesn't get any rosier. Tyjon Lindsay has elected to leave the program. I'm not sure when he made the decision. 
Uh, Frost will probably get into that more specifically on Friday when he meets with the media. But he's no longer with Nebraska. He got in his four games this year. As far as I understand how the rules work, even if he redshirts, he wouldn't be eligible to play until 2020 where he'd be a junior. You have two seasons at that Is that right? Yeah. So what's – There's no advantage for him leaving the team now. It makes no sense. The red shirt, and people would say, well, he can red shirt. Well, then he still loses his sophomore red shirt year next year sitting out. Right. The year's already started. He's already enrolled with Nebraska. The difference between Tristan Jebbia and Tyjon Lindsay is Tristan it was no longer enrolled with Nebraska when the season started. So he will use his sit-out year and – all in one, and so it's just he'll be able to play in 2019. Mm-hmm. Lindsey won't be eligible to play without a waiver until 2020. I have no idea what the waiver would be or why. I wonder if that's it. coming though, and, and maybe it is. But if it's not, I mean, he got bad information, in my opinion, because even if you don't think that this is a long-term place for you, you still had a spot on this team, you still had a role, and you have an opportunity to play. That red shirt can still be used when you transfer. Yeah, so. To me, he basically cost himself the opportunity to continue to practice and get better as a player, regardless of what he wanted to do beyond this season. You're not getting any of that back. He's not getting. He's still going to have to sit not only the rest of this season, all of next season. Mm. It didn't make sense to me. It didn't. But he chose that that's the route that he wanted to go. Uh, you know, where he ends up, I'm not sure. Tyjon in general has been probably a disappointment for most people given what he was rated in the recruiting industry of what seventh highest player in in Nebraska recruiting history. Yep. And he just, I mean, people wanted Rondale Moore and he was never close to that. Does, how many guys from that 2017 recruiting class do you think finished their careers at Nebraska? We're currently of the guys who signed that year, ten have already either not. How many do you know total? It's like twenty-one. Yeah. So there's a little more than half the class remains. Yes. That's not. I mean, you can say what you will about guys not buying in, blah blah blah, whatever. But when you're losing that many guys from a recruiting class, I mean, you're gonna have some gaps there. Well, you, you lost some from 2016 already. Right. You lost some from 2015. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm trying to even think of who on the 2017 class is, like, contributing. There were 20 total in that class, so you're half gone already. Yeah. 18, actually. Enrolled. So, Brendan Hymas is a starter. He's the one starter I can think of off the top of my head out of that group. So, so who's left? Austin Allen, Kurt Raftall are both contributing. Matt Sichterman is a backup right tackle. DeAndre Thomas. DeAndre Thomas broke his hand. Did I read that correctly? He was in a pretty large sling, yes. Yeah. So he's he's banged up, but he's been playing. Damian Daniels is a redshirt defensive tackle for you. So that's five. Uh, let's see. Jalen Bradley has not been involved much for this team at all. So that doesn't look particularly good. The wide receivers from that class, aside from Tyjon Lindsay, are Javion McQuitty, who tore his ACL his redshirt year. And then hasn't gotten on the field. Cade Warner jumped above him. Uh, you're going to see what Woodyard more here. I would expect kind of. I haven't going heard forward. a lot about McQuitty lately. Yeah, I haven't heard anything yeah. about McQuitty. So that uh, we're up to what six or seven. There's still some people I'm missing here. I can do this. You're, you're, ben Stilley part of that class, or is he 2016? Nope. He's 2016. Brock Bando's a part of it. Brock Bando, I don't see him breaking through the mold anytime soon on the offensive line. Chris Walker, another one. Chris Walker's name never comes up at any point in conversations on the defense. There's a lot of guys that aren't going to pan out out of that class. And I mean, maybe Chris Walker and Brock Bando show up big here at scout team stuff and turn around and are starters next year. I've been wrong many times before. I'll be wrong again in the future. But as it stands right now, fourth day of October, third day of October, neither of those guys have have drawn much interest. So Tyjon's gone, Avery Roberts is gone, Jebby is gone, Keyshawn Johnson gone, Willie Hampton gone. Andrew Ward gone. Andrew Ward gone, Ben Miles gone, Elijah Blades and Deontay Watts never made it. Mm. It's a lot. It's rough. It's a lot of... 
a lot of guys. Yeah, With, and so what you're looking at is Damian Daniels, Brandon Hymas, DeAndre Thomas, and the tight ends. Those are the five guys that are most set up to contribute at the moment. Yes. You know, with Tyjon's situation, I'm all for the student athlete protecting himself. Yeah. But in this case, he he got the opportunity this year. Right. It's, it's not like this staff had no interest in him. They they wanted him to take a job and run with it. And That's why I think he has bad info, because I don't think there's any reason for him to leave the team now. He still had a chance to do that. Like, if, you know, I, I, think, I think he could have gotten better this year but the bottom line is he wasn't making plays when they were there to be made um he had a play against michigan the game was out of hand but martinez or somebody bunch was scrambling for his life i remember sitting next to you talking about it threw it 30 yards down the field went right through his hands at midfield you know it's it's right there to make the play um the obviously the muff punt people think about uh it just some of it was bad breaks. There were times last year I think he got open a time or two and they just missed him. And so he never had that one play that sometimes a young guy needs where it's like, okay, there it is. There's a spark, sort of like this team needs. It was He's kind of an individual example of that. He needed that, like, feel-good moment. And I think he scored against Michigan and it got taken yeah, off the board. I was bo- just going to say. It got, it got taken, taken off, off the board. board. So... Um, yeah, he had not to this point. He had 111 total yards in his career here, and that's that's disappointing considering all the noise that came with him. And I want to, I mean, say real quickly, I tweeted this this morning. I don't think that Cade Warner had anything to do with the Tyjon Lindsay decision. They don't play the same position. The guys that Cade Warner, it might reflect on, to me, have more to do with Mike Williams, who's been... It was Andre Hunt. So it was. And Andre Hunt, right. And so, uh, and also, you know, McQuitty and other of the scholarship guys at that spot that haven't appeared. So it had more to do with those guys than had anything to do with Tyjon Lindsay. Um, in part because, I mean, he just wasn't an outside wide receiver in this offense for him. To show you how rough it's been for the receivers, Cade Warner was third team to start last week, and today Troy Walter said he basically put him out there because he needed bodies in a practice. Like, get out there, Cade. We need somebody. And Cade started doing better than other people just by that opportunity to get some reps to put a body on the field. And he, by three days later, he's a starter. That's that's where – if that doesn't kick you in the butt if you're those other guys, I don't know what will. He had a prolific high school career. I mean, he's – I wouldn't be surprised if Cade Warner has a a nice season with the opportunity. He's not going to give it away to anybody. He's got like the, the listening to the coaches. I think it comes from his dad, and you know, being around football the way he is, sort of like JD has it too. Spielman, where it's just they're just so football smart. Like they get the whole picture more than the other guys. And Walters talked about it today. Cade Warner's lining up other guys. Well, Cade Warner's not a senior or anything. He's a second-year guy in this program, so he should be just as confused as them, but he's not. Yeah. Uh, recruiting, Nebraska hosted several official visitors. It went well. They didn't get any commitments. Quentin Newsom was a big official visitor for the Huskers. He was out here in the summer. He committed in August and then was here for the Purdue game. He's someone that Nebraska desperately wants to keep in the fold. He's their only defensive back commitment right now. He had a really good time, really trusts his staff. I think he's quite high on Nebraska, but I wouldn't be surprised if he's continuing to hear from other programs who have interest in him down in SEC country. Jeremy James I haven't had a chance to do a full update with, but when we've exchanged messages, he's been very positive about how the visit went. Um, Brant Banks has been pretty quiet coming out of him as well. He was a defensive lineman up here. Nash Hutmacher is a 2020 defensive lineman from South Dakota that I think Nebraska is going to end up with. And I think between him and the kid out of Kansas, those are probably your top two targets in the 2020 class. And Nebraska would love to start knocking some of those down. Uh, Hutmacher actually going to Wisconsin this weekend to watch Nebraska and the Badgers. So that's kind of your... Your quick uh, recruiting update, not a lot going on. There won't be visitors again until the Minnesota game, which my calendar tells me is several weeks from now on October 20th, uh, where they will have 
Noah Poa Gates from Arizona and Gerard Baker from Florida are the scheduled visitors at the moment. Any last thoughts before we uh, get into the rambling exit that I do every week? There's a the baseball schedule is out this week. Wow, we're getting baseball. Uh, a that's, quick, a quick. That's note. how the football season's going right a, now. A couple uh, interesting little nuggets from that. Uh, Arizona State coming to Lincoln, Nebraska in May to play a series. Pat Murphy's still the coach. He is not still the coach. Okay. Uh, disappointed <laughs> that that's no longer the case. Pat Murphy really good at craps, by the way. Oh. Ended up at a craps table in Vegas with him a few years ago, and he wanted me some money. Um, Arizona State, Baylor's coming to town. Um, New Mexico State, Nebraska's playing four against Oregon State to start the year. And no Northern Colorado on the schedule this year. Uh, so pour one out for the Bears. Uh, the, the old familiar friend is not going to be coming to Lincoln in March when it's about 25 degrees out. So that's pretty much all we got for baseball. Feels yeah. like they'd always steal one, too. Yeah, like that Wednesday game yeah. where it's there's about 100 people in the stands and the wind's blowing about 50 miles an hour out of the north. Do you, do you want a couple minutes to talk about Nebraska basketball having attended their media days a week or so ago? We can get into that next week, maybe. <laughs> All right. Well, we're we're now looking for filler as we get oh, through the sorry. heart of football I'll, season. I'll I'll talk talk basketball if you want to. Every, no, no. I, everybody's more or less making everybody's a joke. feeling good and everybody's excited. The team chemistry's great. Brunt took that a little personal. <laughs> Isaiah Roby, though, careful of his injury stuff with the with the feet. I think that might be a, something to watch the whole season. You don't want a big man with foot injuries. No. It's a, it's a recipe for disaster. It's good. Yeah. Speaking of recipes, <laughs> local potato place to fill you up. Uh, I got through about half of it. I'll finish it off here after we get off the air. But, but I mean, you, we could really organize some sort of deal where it's a potato and a podcast. Yeah, that's not bad. Potato okay. and a pod. That could be a thing. <laughs> well, we're gonna have to talk to these. What, what would you spud rate? What would you rate that spud? That spud max on a like if I were to say is it a five star? I'd say it's like a. It was a high three. Okay. Ah, that's perfect for yeah. this show. Perfect. <laughs> perfect for this That's team. the kind of spud you can build around. Man, if we ever do a recruiting podcast specifically for this, it'd definitely be the high three-star <laughs> podcast show. We should just show. have a podcast of you rating random things one to five star. Me or Brian? You or him or whoever. Anybody? Anybody. We just uh, It just goes in a circle and we pull an item out of the hat and they have to rate it? Yeah. I like it. Yeah. We can definitely do that in February. Hell, we can do it in December. There might not be football to talk about then. Can do it in two weeks, maybe. Yeah. We'll see but how the next. <laughs> until there's no longer football to talk about, you should always be checking out Husker 24 7, where we talk football all the time. Doesn't matter if Nebraska hasn't won yet. We're still talking football. There's plenty going on. You should definitely stop by.